Welcome to the Transform Podcast. My name is Andrew Farhat. I'm here with my guest, PJ Arsvald. PJ is our Renewal Church pastor. You can check them out at renewaldenver.org or renewaldenver.tv if you want to check out some of the media, some of the preaching out there. It is phenomenal. You will love their community. Um, And then today we are finishing our comparative religion study. We've just been going through all of the major religions. It's been uh, fun. It's been educational. And always uh, with this uh, podcast and this study, our goal has been to be educational so that if you are considering, you know, what do I believe and do all of the religions lead to the same God? I think we've shot that down and said, no, they don't. And you can uh, look at that in some of the previous episodes if you want to think through that or debate that or wrestle with it. Uh, And then in addition, we want followers of Christ to be equipped. We want them to be knowledgeable and educated. We're going into source texts here. We're not just, you know, printing out some weird website and then coming at uh, the podcast with, you know, just what someone said. But this is textbook stuff about what each religion believes. And today, PJ, we get to hit on the Mormons. Mm -hmm. And um, now, wouldn't you say, like, Mormons, the ones that we've interacted with in our lives... They're just great citizens and great people. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was um, sharing with you, like one of my closest friends is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, kind of full title and um, shortened to a Mormon. Um, yeah, so I mean, just, I mean, people who who embody family, hospitality, very kind, very servant-hearted, um, just, yeah, only positive experiences with um, anyone of, of the church. Yeah, absolutely. But then, like a lot of religions... Maybe people don't always know origins, how things got started, the depth of doctrine. I think that's been my experience in my interaction with my Muslim friends or Muslim people who have shared uh, what their Muslim uh, neighbors and friends believe. A lot of them don't know the origins and the Mm -hmm. the depth of all of the teachings, etc. And I think what we're going to find here is there's some, for me, eye-opening stuff um, you know, there, there's some things in the Bible that, you know, they're miraculous. You need a, you need a leap of faith to believe it. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to just say that. Front. But then as I study, like how the whole Mormon movement got started and all of this, I'm just thinking you need like 10,000 more leaps of faith for me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. so, and we can unpack that today, but I think we'll just start with the first one. And the first one is this, PJ, and, I, and I'd love to talk to you about this, and I'm going to ask you most of the questions today, is, all right, private revelation is how this religion gets started, mm-hmm. very much like uh, the prophet Muhammad. So Joseph Smith gets revelation. This is from an angel, Moroni. Mm-hmm. And the revelation is on tablets written in reformed Egyptian language. However, the reformed Egyptian language on this, these tablets, there's no historical backing for this language ever being in existence. There's no knowledge that this man has any ability to translate it. Um, and yet, this is, the, like, this is the source, this is the meat of this movement. Um, so yeah, PJ, I, I'm really struggling with this a lot because it's like, 
historically, usually like a prophet gets revelation in their language mm. so that they can communicate it to the folks. And then also it's always transparent, you know, like so Moses, he got the Ten Commandments and it wasn't like he hit them and said, hey, uh, this is a language that you guys don't know. You guys can't see them. Only I can see them. He didn't hide it. He just said, take good care of it. Yeah. You know, so PJ, help me out here, man. Because this is, to me, this has been harder than Jehovah's Witnesses. Like this one, this is crazy to me. Sure. Well, yeah, though, as kind of the full story goes, apparently Joseph Smith recalls that he was really tormented on which denomination to choose. So he was looking at Christianity and kind of the fracturedness of it all and is trying to figure out, all right, do I be a Catholic? Do I be a Lutheran? Do I be um, Reformed? You know, Pietist, Puritan, whatever it might be. And that's when he's praying in the woods and gets this, this revelation from Moroni, this prophet. Um, and, and what you brought up is really key because as Christians, we believe that God still speaks through his word, through it proclaimed, through how it's been written and preserved, um, through his gifts. Um, but this kind of revelation of something that is new and not in accordance with what has been revealed um, is something that has never been a part of Christianity. And so you think of the book of Hebrews in the Bible, um, it opens up at the very beginning saying, you know, um, in the days of old, God spoke um, in many various ways through his prophets. But now in these latter days, he's spoken to us through his son, Jesus, that Jesus is God's word. He is the definitive. Here is what God wants people to know. This is his son. He has died for you. He has risen. Faith in him. He is Lord. Um, and so that is... Um, that's kind of the big revelation that everything kind of hinges on is Jesus. And so you don't really have an account of Christians after that getting some sort of new appearance that's divine that some, in some ways changes where the church is. Now, times of churches need to be reformed, yes. Times of the church has um, gone off course, yes. But every time they've looked back, what did the scriptures say? What is the church taught? What is God revealed through Jesus? Um, that's how things get course corrected. It's not one person getting this new revelation um, that kind of redirects it. So the idea that Joseph Smith is given through this prophet, as the story goes, is that basically the church has been non-existent. The true church of Jesus Christ has been non-existent since about the fourth century. So just for like 1,400-ish years, the church has been gone, but now you're going to save it. And as Christians, we are a church that is based on historical events and transmitted through history. And so we believe that, well, it's not always been perfect, the church has been the church throughout that span. It's not that the church disappeared and now is revived, you know, a millennium and a half later. Okay, wow. So let's unpack that. Yeah. So Jesus is, uh, in the latter days, Hebrew, the book of Hebrews says, God has spoken to us through his son. So yep. this is what you've covered there in that verse. It's Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, I believe. Mm -hmm. It's covering the concept of revelation. So revelation is how God reveals divine information to human beings. Mm -hmm. So what it says there is you have prophets in the Old Testament. They've come, they've shared, they've documented everything God's done um, to show himself, to reveal how you can be saved. And then in the latter days, God has spoken to us through his son. And Jesus makes it very clear, like I am the Alpha and the Omega, the, that revelation is complete now. Mm. Right? So then also he brings salvation through his death and resurrection. He reveals uh, that God is Father, Son, and Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so a lot has already been just, just done, right? Yeah. 
So I want to hit on something that you that you indicated there too is the Old Testament prophets have also documented everything. All right, so this is really key, mm-hmm. and they've documented a lot as eyewitnesses. Right? Yeah. So they're eyewitnesses. So Moses, he's an eyewitness of the biggest story in the Old Testament, the redemption. He's writing. He's witnessing. People are witnessing. So it's like there's a community there that can witness it. Okay. Then in, like, let's fast forward to, uh, let's say, the exile of the Israelites in 586 BC. Yeah. You have prophets that are witnessing it and that can document it. So you Daniel got, and Ezekiel. Yeah. Boom. And a whole community that could read that and say, no, that's not what happened. All right. Yeah. So this is how it's this is how it's worked. And, and and let's just think this through. This is how it works with us too as human beings. We want eyewitnesses. We want people who've experienced it. We want people who have, have seen it. You know, that's what our whole faith is based on. It's not mm-hmm. based on anything blind. It's based on, man, the public saw Jesus rise from the dead. Yeah. And that's why we believe it, right? Okay. So now let's let's document some things. All right. So Mormons believe Moroni was around in 400 AD. Okay. So mm-hmm. he's he's in the United States in 400 AD. Yeah. North America for sure. Okay. The Americas. Then, yeah. yeah. So then um, basically then what happens is this. Jesus made a vision appearance to the people living in America, telling them that his true church would be there, but they have disappeared. So the church disappears in 400 AD Mm -hmm. and have now come back through the Latter-day Saints through Joseph Smith. So this is part of the revelation. Yep. So right off the bat, I got a big problem with this because we have no historical records of the church existing in the United States in 400 AD. We have historical records of the church existing in the Middle East, Europe, and North Africa. North Africa. It's all, all down to Ethiopia, yeah. Yeah. And, and that, all make, that all is historical, right? But then all of a sudden, somebody in the 19th century just gets to say, hey, this is actually not only my own revelation about how you can know God and find God, but I have a big time historical revision of a lot of human beings and where they've lived. And then in addition, um, the narrative will, his, his divine revelation will also go on to say that the Jews made it to our country uh, way back in, in, six, in 600 BC, I think is what they believe. There's a ship, the Lehi came in 600 BC in a ship from Israel to settle in America. His two important sons were Nephites and Lamanites. Uh, and then they have a war. Mm-hmm. And then the Lamanites are said to be descendants of the Israelites. Okay. So this has all never been documented historically. Yeah, so I this whole revelation. Okay, so Jews came to the United States of America in 600 BC. Actually, no, they didn't. That During that time, they were... Uh, they had their own nation, and then in 586 BC, they got exiled to uh, Babylon. Mm-hmm. So, PJ, I'm sorry, man. This is all really weird to me. <laughs> this is all strange. Yeah, because there's the whole diaspora. There's like this dispersion, but I, yeah, I don't know of any record that would have people coming over. And that's much of what the Book of Mormon is documenting: is this 
these tribes that come over, these two tribes that you highlighted that come to the Americas and, and the war that rages over that. And then, um, as you mentioned, um, Moroni and his father Mormon, which is where we get the name Book of Mormon, are all documented in the Book of Mormon. Um, and then so the account goes then that after Jesus' resurrection, he also appears to those in the Americas. And basically, yeah, what you said is telling them that the church will exist there in North America again, even though it's basically going to disappear for a bit. So they would say that, like, that is, yeah, the true church disappears. What's happening over in Europe and Africa and the Middle East all that time in parts of Asia isn't really the church. They're off base. They're off kilter. And then through Joseph Smith's revelation, these tablets that he um, is given the ability to translate, that now the church is back and it's fixed, basically. Okay, so you have significant historical revision with no proof or eyewitnesses or documentation. And then you have the new revelation. Mm -hmm. I think that's the real, that's truly the basis of the whole religion. Yeah. But I guess my question for you would be, how did he know how to translate reformed Egyptian when it wasn't an, a language anyone knew? Yeah, so that's part, part of the story is that God gave him this power that these tablets that nobody else would be able to read. Um, he's given this seer stone and basically given the ability to translate um, a document that otherwise would be untranslatable. And I think um, people testify too that before this he was um, illiterate and, and couldn't read at all. So the whole thing is kind of a, a miracle of sorts that he's able to not only read for the kind of first time, but read a foreign language and then translated it um, for these scribes to write down as like a, a full book. Um, yeah, part of the, the miraculous revelation that is built on. PJ, did anyone ever say, hey, can you show me the tablets? Yeah, so I, I think part of um, what Joseph Smith said at the time is that these were kind of given to just him. So even after he found them, he couldn't, he couldn't even go back to them for a while. And then when people asked for kind of evidence, he said, you know, the Lord has told me I can't reveal these things. So um, a lot of this was kind of really filtered through Joseph Smith's lens. There's a lot of, the faith is kind of built on a trust that this man is telling the truth about everything because like you said, the whole eyewitnesses, there really isn't a chance for many people to be eyewitnesses towards what's yeah. happening, what's being said. Yeah. So just a little reflection on this whole series, just putting some things together. Yeah. Significant similarities here between Jehovah's Witness or Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, and Muslims. There's just a significant lack of transparency in how this revelation came to you, who else was there to see it, um, etc. And then, you know, like with the translation of the New World Translation for Je Jehovah's Witnesses, like they didn't want to say who the translators were. Yeah. You know, so there's a similar pattern here for our listeners to kind of know about, you know, and but then I contrast that with why I became a believer. And I used to be a, a skeptic and I used to investigate all of this stuff for myself. But mm -hmm. I think what stands out about Christianity is it is based on eyewitnesses, documented history. And then our whole faith hinges on the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Yeah. But it's not like Jesus said, hey, guys, I died and rose again, but no one saw it. Yeah. Right? Like, you had professional executioners make sure, okay, he's yeah, dead. Yeah. And then our, you have people going, he's, is he alive? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like our whole faith is about his death and resurrection. Yeah. Right? So there's witnesses that saw the death. There's witnesses, hundreds, that saw the resurrection. And it wasn't Jesus's message; it was the public's message. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's so I think that is a big differentiator: public witness versus private revelation, um, and then historical events that are documented not only in the Bible but in extra biblical literature. Yeah, other historical versus sources. this is crazy. Like Lehi comes to 
um, America in 600 BC and has sons named Nephite, Nephites and Lamanites. It's like, no one's heard of these guys. <laughs> no one's heard of these guys. Yeah. So I'm just like, this is, I'm not, I'm not happy when people get deceived like this. Mm. This is too much. Yeah. This is too much for me. Two things I just want to hit on, what I think you hit really well. Um, when you talk about the evidence, you think of like how some of the gospels are written, you know, we bear witness to what we saw. Um, and then you have like Luke who, you know, maybe wasn't even there for the actual events of the gospel accounts, but he even starts off and says, I did research. I talked to eyewitnesses. I, I did all the, like an investigator, like a journalist, like, okay, research. Yeah. Research. And I'm checking yeah. with all these people. All right. This is what the people who saw it happen happened. And, um, and that is in accordance and matches with the other gospels. And it is remarkable. And the other thing I wanted to hit on is it's amazing how prophetic Paul sounds when he's writing and he says, um, like, don't lose this gospel I've given you. Even if we were to come back with a different gospel, Paul's saying, if I come back to you with something else that contradicts what you've been told, don't believe it. He says, even if an angel comes to you and says something that doesn't match, don't believe it. And you think of all these revelations later that kind of try and reframe what Jesus revealed, what the eyewitnesses revealed. And, and Paul from the get-go says, this is the message. And if at any point, even an angel from heaven or a prophet or anybody comes and says, no, that's not really what happened. He says, don't trust it because it's not the messenger. It's not, Paul's like, it's not even me. It's the message that matters, the message of Jesus. Um, so yeah, yeah, just a really powerful, like prophetic saying that Paul has that, you know, God knew what he was doing when he was speaking through Paul yeah. to get it out there ahead of time. Like there's gonna be people coming and saying all sorts of things and doing all sorts of signs and wonders to try and mislead you. But don't lose hope, like don't lose hold of this message. Very well stated. And that's the message of if you're listening, it's in Galatians chapter one, mm-hmm. where he says, even if an angel from heaven comes and preach a gospel contrary to the one that you have received, let him be anathema, yeah. which is a Greek word that means eternally condemned. Yeah. So he's not pulling any punches there with no, his language. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that is a strong uh, reference there. Um, and then additionally, here are some prophecies Joseph Smith made during his lifetime that are documented, yet they did not come true. Okay, so here we go. So this is all going into the conversation of revelation and, and, you know, you got to get revelation right. You can't be wrong. And what does the Old Testament say if like someone's getting revelation wrong and claiming to be a prophet, but then stuff they say doesn't happen? That's not a prophet, yeah. It says some pretty harsh language. Yes, I think right? you're referring to think Deuteronomy 18, right? I think you could get the death penalty in the nation of Israel. I think you're if right. If you do stuff like that. Because you're very clearly a sign of false prophet at that point. Yeah, so that was a strong penalty because you're claiming divine revelation, but you're consistently wrong, so you're deceiving a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here we go. Joseph Smith predicted that Jesus would return within 56 years of his lifetime. Okay? So we know that didn't happen. Uh, Number two, he predicted that the temple, okay, so this is the temple, Mm -hmm. would be built in Missouri within Smith's generation. This did not happen. He predicted that all nations would be involved in the American Civil War. Um... This did not happen. Uh, He predicted that the earth will tremble and the sun be hidden, not in many days. This did not happen. All right. So there's more, but I'll just stop there. And I guess I would say I'm just amazed 
I'm amazed. This must have been a pretty eloquent man. Hmm. Yeah. It's like we talked he's, hands- he's a handsome dude. <laughs> it's like we talked about Jehovah's Witnesses. It's interesting whenever there's these kind of false prophecies, these ideas that this is going to happen and it doesn't come true. Like You would think that that would discredit it, and yet, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, the presentation, whatever it might be, whatever factors, um, it's still stuck on. It's still held. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's like, I think people today sometimes say that uh, 21st century Americans are really gullible people, <laughs> and we believe everything. But I'm like, people in the 19th century <laughs> believe everything too. I mean, like there's, you know, yeah. I think human beings are just susceptible, you know, to not check their facts. Yeah. You know, check. We want to believe certain things. and Yeah. yeah you just, you know, we're quick to j- jump on a conclusion mm-hmm. of something. Yeah. Um, so, PJ, what do Mormons believe about God? So what was revealed to Joseph Smith about this? And then I think we should also contrast that with what has historically been revealed, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah, this is one of the biggest things that, well, there's a, there's a lot of things, but this is one of the biggest core doctrinal differences um, about the Church of Latter-day, or Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that would, I mean, contradict traditional Orthodox Christianity, um, is that Christianity has always held on to this idea of the Trinity. And again, we've talked about it. They had to sort it out at first because um, it was there, but they hadn't like formulated the words for how they were going to describe Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in their relationship. But basically came down to, Scripture is clear, there's one God. That's something that the Old Testament says, something Jesus says, something Paul says. There's one God. Mm-hmm. Um, but He has revealed Himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The classic, like, how do you make sense of that? We don't know. It's what God says. We take his word for it and trust him. Um, but in the, in the Mormon faith, um, they believe that those are three separate gods, that you have God the Father, who is kind of topmost. You have Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. his son, who is who's still Savior. It's still faith in him that is saving. And then you have the Holy Spirit. Um, but they're no longer one God um, because logically that doesn't make sense. And so you have three separate gods. Um, and kind of like Jehovah's Witnesses, who also aren't Trinitarian, they have verses they would point to and stuff that would try and highlight differences between the persons. Um, but it's a, a hard break from Orthodox Christianity. Totally. So this is what we would call polytheism, mm-hmm. the belief in a plurality of God. So there's many. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three of many. And gods are glorified human beings in this particular religion. And the belief is that the Father came down and impregnated Mary. And had God the Son. So not conceived by the Holy Spirit, as the <laughs> testimony has indicated historically. Mm-hmm. But the father actually had sexual relationship with Mary. Um, so, but I guess the biggest thing for me here is you can use language that sounds Christian. Yeah. We oh, we believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe in that Jesus is the Son of God. Yeah. Yeah, but, but what do you it, believe about that? Yeah. But then it's like, whoa, wait a second. We actually don't believe there's one God, though. We believe in many of them. Um, and so this is the distinction between monotheism, which is what Christians believe, mm-hmm. versus polytheism here. So very interesting. Okay. And then, uh, PJ, can you comment on human beings yeah. and then how they get saved in this particular religion? Yeah, so um, 
they would believe a lot of the, I mean, same biblical testimony of like Adam and Eve are the first humans and they get kicked out of the garden. Um, and so humans um, need saving of sorts. And, you know, the goal is to, to believe in Jesus and to live rightly. That's kind of two big things. Believe the, the testimony of Jesus, believe in him as Savior, and then do the right ordinances, the right um, acts of work and love to do. Um, and so then what salvation looks like is, is here's another break from traditional Christianity. Instead of you're saved, you know, you think of Jesus separating the sheep and the goats. They're his people who are going to live eternally with him and the new creations. And then there's those who have rejected him who are going to be cast into outer darkness. So in the Mormon conceptualization, you have the outer darkness, which is for kind of the, the worst kind of people. So I'm, I'm thinking like murderers, um, just very terrible, very sinful, just kind of evil people. Um, but then everyone else is kind of put into three segments. So there's different like levels of glory or different like levels of mm -hmm. heaven. Yeah. And so you have the telestial, the mm -hmm. terrestrial, and the celestial. Telestial is those who, it, it includes, you know, some liars, some swindlers, but um, these are people who have not taken um, the uh, testimony of Jesus, haven't believed in him, also haven't been great, but they're not so bad that they're cast in outer darkness. And so they're still resurrected. They're mm -hmm. still... Um, brought back, but they're in kind of this lower tier. Then you have the terrestrial. Those are people who have uh, not accepted Jesus, but they're good people in general. They do a lot of great things, you know, what you would consider like, oh, that's a good person. But just to clarify, yeah. they need to accept Mormonism. I mean, they're people that didn't accept Mormonism. Correct, yes. Okay, but they're still honorable people. Still honorable people. Okay, good. Yep, good way to put Keep it. Keep going. Um, and then you have the celestial, and those are the people who have accepted Jesus according to the Mormon faith and such, and have done the ordinances, the proper works of love and stuff. And so it's only at that top level that you get to live with God, the Father Almighty, um, for all of eternity. So the, the other levels, they're, again, they're glory, so they're nice, but they're not as nice as that one. And so they would still want everybody to obviously be Mormon and do all the acts of love and to, to strive to do enough to get yourself into that top level. Um, that's the, the hope. Um, but they would still have like, a pretty good consolation prize for those who, who don't accept the testimony. So. Wow. So this is totally new in history. Like there's no celestial, terrestrial, telestial, and then the fourth place would be sons of perdition, is yeah. what I have documented here. So this is completely new in like prophetic history of what is, you know, the life after death. Yeah, I'm trying to think of I mean, there's, the comparisons. There's different rewards in heaven sometimes. It's like we believe it that in heaven, uh, Christians believe that there's rewards in heaven, but historically there's been heaven and there's been hell. Yeah. Right? So this is totally new. And then where, PJ, where's Jesus? Where can we find Jesus? Which, which uh, kingdom would we get to hang with him? Yeah, I apologize if I forget the story, but I think he's in the second one. I think he's in the terrestrial. Okay. Um, where, like, if you get to that one, you're a pretty good person, you live with Jesus, and then it's the top one, you get God himself. All right. Um, so our if listeners, I'm wrong on that, I apologize. So our listeners need to look that one up. Yeah, where, caveat that one. Because I'd kind of want to go to the one where Jesus was at. <laughs> so. Yeah, I know. Well, and just think of, like, <laughs> what you're highlighting is, is so true. You know, Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Um, there are many rooms in my Father's house. And so there's a correlation where Jesus is going and his Father's house. They're kind of one and the same. Um, and then you have the idea of, again, Jesus is kind of like, it's in or out. You're, you're with me or you've rejected me. Um, and yeah. so this kind of tiered, um, you know, that's one of the hard things is it, it sounds nice to say if you're a good person, even if you don't believe in Jesus, you still have a pretty good consolation prize. You still have a pretty good place. Um, but Jesus 
correlates, you know, salvation being through him. He's the one way um, to the one place. So, Okay. And basically, you become a god when you get there. Yeah, essentially. Is yeah. the understanding. Now, and also I would say that this is what I have documented. A woman can become a god in one of those kingdoms only if she's married to a man who becomes a god. Hmm. So again, here, when I, when I look at this and I look at Islam, I'm like, man, these are, these are religions for men. Hmm. Like, you know, in, in Islam, there's uh, some revelation that you get 72 virgins. And it's like, okay, what's in it for the women? Like, yeah. <laughs> you, know, I, you, know, so, you know, so we believe them in the equality of women. Yeah. That they're not lesser Correct. than men. And so it's like, man, what, I'm just trying to think through, like, why are women drawn to this? Yeah. It's like, you have no value unless you marry a man who becomes a god. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And PJ, as we talk about this being a, a male religion, you know, a religion that's very male-oriented, what can you tell us about Joseph Smith and polygamy? Yeah, so this is one of those things that I guess people like to joke about the most is when they think of like Mormons and like polygamy, many wives, um, polygamy being, you know, many marriages and such. Um, so Joseph Smith, you know, I think I've seen stuff, the church has acknowledged that um, he wed a number of women, probably um, a few dozen. Um, 24? I think 40 is the number that I, I've 40. seen. 40, yeah. So 40 is more than a few dozen. Yeah, well, three <laughs> dozen 36. Yeah, just okay. over, yeah. Um, 40? I think 40 is the number that wow, I saw. So this guy's you know, again. Can, this is a you can high fact level. check this. Yeah, he um, had quite the following. Again, probably a charismatic person, and um, it was um, deemed an okay practice, I think, at first. And, and some of these women were as young as you know, maybe 14 at the time. Which 14? Yeah. Which culturally, again, you gotta. It's hard to look back because you know we. You know, Mary was 13 when she was pregnant with Jesus. So do we know that for sure though? No, I guess that's the the scholarly it's estimate. A, it's so, a it's a guess. That's right. a fair. Yeah, it's true. Sure. It's a guess. Um, she could be had been as young. So I don't want to, you know, it's hard to say, I don't know, early 19th century, kind of what marriage age was. Um, but it was a, a big part of, you know, kind of, I guess, the male centricness of just, you know, encouraging and accepting men having many wives. I do want to say that Mormon church has outlawed polygamy since 1890. So it's not still part of the practice today. You could probably find some niche, ultra traditional Orthodox Mormon groups kind of out there in like, I think Missouri area. That might practice that, but typically now um, that's a, a frowned upon practice. But it is historically right. at the beginning that's kind of it was there when it was started. Okay, and just to document what you said about Mary, she was married to Joseph. Yeah. Okay. So then, and it's possible she was conceived. If she conceived Jesus at seventeen, like yeah, we don't know. Yeah, sure. we don't know the exact number. But nevertheless, your your point is was we're we're kind of checking out these founders, and mm -hmm. so far, you know, we've looked at um, Muhammad. He was a polygamist. Mm -hmm. He had uh, one wife that was, I believe, nine years old, is what historians do agree on, and it's, that's very controversial. Mm -hmm. But then now you've said Joseph Smith, 40 wives, one of them is 14. I think this is also controversial, too, for our, our listeners should be aware of this. Yeah. Um, and these are significant you know, changes, I, I would say, historically, from what we would expect uh, from godly people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and kind of going to the whole revelation, all, all of that would be a clear contradiction to Scripture, and especially the New Testament and its plan for marriage and what yeah. God has revealed. So, 
again, it's one of those where when you're looking at somebody who's revealing something, are they in accordance to what Christianity is? And if they're completely, this mm-hmm. is a whole new thing, then there's reason to question if this is valid reform of Christianity or if this is just starting a new kind of sect or new group. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And then salvation. Sometimes there's going to be verses in the Book of Mormon that make it sound like you're saved by grace. However, the official doctrine, if you want to just take all of the teachings together, is the grace is given to you, but you need to earn uh, your forgiveness by obedience to God's laws. Mm -hmm. So this is another religion that is contradicting what the atonement was for. The atonement of Jesus was for forgiving us of our sins Mm -hmm. completely. It was not insufficient, and then you have some more work to do. But rather, here what you have is you need to be obedient, and then if you're really good, you get to the uh, celestial kingdom, you're kind of junior varsity, terrestrial, um, and then if you're on the freshman team, you get to the telestial kingdom. Mm-hmm. And then if you uh, are part of the sons of perdition, you, you got cut. You yeah. make it in. All right. <laughs> good basketball so, analogy. All right, there we go. So... Finally, uh, PJ, what can you tell us about caffeine, tobacco, and alcohol? Yeah, well, before I get there, actually, I want to build up one last thing. I just wanted to throw this out there for a resource anyone wants to look at. On my way here, somebody told me about something called Adam's Road. I have no reference before, like, an hour ago. Um, But they were saying that it's former members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who converted to Orthodox Christianity, um, so traditional, um, what we consider right Christianity. And they share their testimonies, and they're very... Fair, they kind of preface it like we're not here to bash our former faith, but here's the things that helped when we had questions. Here's the things that got us to reconsider our take. And what you just highlighted was really interesting because the person was telling me that one of their big slogans is Jesus is enough. That when they were living in this faith, they didn't view Jesus and his work as being enough. And it was when people asked them, what do you think Jesus did for you? Like, did he do it when he said it is finished? Was it finished? You know, um, that got them to kind of think. So Adam's Road, don't know much about it, but heard it's a good resource from a trustworthy friend. Um, so go check that out. Awesome. Yeah. Um, as far as, yeah, caffeine, so like coffee, tea, alcohol, tobacco, um, they would put a ban on that. There's a huge emphasis, again, on kind of godly living. And so they want to be clean living. You don't want to put these substances in your body. Um, you don't want to um, live wrongly. So there's a huge emphasis on, like you said, like kind of these good works, like living rightly, um, which is why, you know, again, a lot of the people I know from, from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are lovely people, very kind. I mean, just bend over backwards to be hospitable and loving and, and friendly and nice because um, there's such an emphasis on this. Um, and that goes to kind of every aspect of their life, you know, whether it's, you know, clothing they wear to the substances they put in their body, just very thorough and very strict on a lot of these prohibitions and, okay. and encouragements. So basically then you can't go to Starbucks then and have a, cup of coffee you get some water there if you're mormon yeah so then like man are there are there just like not a lot of starbucks in like utah or what do they do there i have (laughs) talked to people who have who have lived or worked salt lake city or utah and and it kind of lines up where a lot of the things a lot of the places that we associate with coffee tea alcohol tobacco just aren't very prevalent because there's not much of a market for it because you don't have i mean it's that's capitalism right there's no demand there's no supply so okay well Darn it. <laughs> um, all right. Let's just jump to the end here. Yeah. Uh, PJ, what can you tell us about how Joseph Smith was killed? Yeah. 
And then what can we say to our listeners who are believers in terms of our spirit Mm -hmm. towards people we disagree with? Yeah. And this is one where as Christians, sometimes we can get kind of self-righteous and almost kind of justify anger, frustration. And and, and most people never go to this extreme. But part of the the sad beginnings of um, the Mormon faith is Joseph Smith um, and kind of his following is, is heavily persecuted. He's, at this point, he's in Ohio, Illinois, Missouri area. And him and his brother, who are, he's kind of the leader of the movement, and then his brother is kind of second in command, they're arrested because they're heavily persecuted. They're in danger. They're arrested. They're thrown in jail. And then eventually an angry mob shows up to the jail, breaks in, and shoots them in cold blood. And so hmm. um, part of the sad reality of the beginnings of Mormonism is that they were heavily persecuted, and it wasn't just uh, they weren't just shunned. They weren't just um, outcasts. They were physically attacked. And so uh, it's just encouragement as Christians, not that I, I think anyone's planning on going and, and physically attacking anyone, um, but even when we encounter people who who believe what we would believe is wrong or deceptive or misleading, we are not called to take some sort of vengeance uh, upon them. We're not called to act um, violently. No, we're firm. We're truthful. Um, we speak the truth in love. And so we have a, a, a gentle peacemaking spirit that also stands on the convictions of Jesus Christ. Um, but we never would take something into our hands like that. And so we just want to want to highlight that because sometimes when we look at other groups that we believe are clearly wrong um, or maybe even dangerous spiritually, we just want to make sure that we never feel so justi- like so justified in ourselves and just kind of doing whatever measures to silence them or, or put them away. Um, it's tough to know kind of how to always speak to kind of balance that, um, to speak the truth and say, nope, it is Jesus, Jesus alone. But at the same time, we don't want to let that fuel into something else. And so yeah. the more, yeah. So you can say the Mormon faith ended up after Joseph Smith died. Brigham Young kind of took over. People recognize his name from BYU, Brigham Young University. He led the migration out to Utah, where they felt like they'd be safer. A lot of Utah is. I mean, he was the first, I believe, governor of Utah in the territory. Um, he's the founder of Brigham Young University, University of Utah. So that's why when you think of the Mormon faith, you typically think of Utah. It's because when they were fleeing being attacked, that's where they they settled. So, okay. So that's a great ending point. Is that our definition of tolerance isn't anything goes, but it no. is. It has to do with how you treat people you disagree with. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you can't have beliefs. Yeah, and it doesn't say just do whatever you want. Correct. Yeah. So this is so we don't want to react in an intolerant way to Mormons. And then when we think about life, there's the vertical dimension and the horizontal. Mm-hmm. Vertical is your relationship with God. Horizontal is your relationship with human beings and civil society. We do believe in, as followers of Christ, that in civil society, we do believe in peace. Mm-hmm. We do believe in living in peace with each other, letting people be- have the freedom to believe what they want, and then treating everybody with love and peace and kindness. Um, so that I think that's a great ending point, because if you're listening and you think that we are uh, you know, just trying to pick a fight you know, with all these religions, that's not necessarily the case. I think our intent here is to be educational Mm -hmm. for you so that wherever you're at on your spiritual journey, you can uh, make an educated and informed decision because we, we strongly believe that you should always check the facts, check your sources, document, think it through um, before you do anything. So with that said, PJ, it's been great doing this series with you and If you are listening and this has blessed you in any way, we would encourage you to share it with someone uh, that would also be blessed. 
And if you have a question, you can submit it to hello at sjdenver.org. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.